0: Hello fellow planeswalkers and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide to all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. So, another spoiler season has come and gone, and I've got to say, I'm pretty excited for Zendikar Rising. Uh, I've got some ideas for new decks to brew, and I'm putting together a list of updates to make to all my EDH decks, though, uh, even though I haven't made any real substantive changes since Ikoria, uh, you can expect next episode to be a list of all those additions. Um, I've got my product pre-ordered for my local LGS, though I may need to make a second order for the bundle and commander decks. Uh, Hopefully, with production delays, I won't have to wait too long to get them. (laughs) you <laughs> In kind of a weird, potentially twisted way, uh, spoiler season itself is one of the many ways I enjoy Magic: The Gathering. Uh, I don't know if it's the custom set designer in me or maybe the completionist gamer, but I find immense pleasure in the somewhat thankless task of compiling spoilers in daily Reddit threads on our Magic TCG. Uh, in case you can tell by my name who I was, uh, with this podcast being on the weird and wacky ways I enjoy Magic: The Gathering, I figured why not peel back the curtain on this process. And while a lot of it seems pretty obvious and straightforward, uh, and some may say not war in the full episode, I think there are some interesting things here. Plus, it's my show, so I can do what I want. So, according to Mark Rosewater, back in the day, Wizards set out... Uh, went out of their way to not disclose the full list of cards in a given set, and they tried to hide what rarity cards were with the idea that you know part of the game's appeal would be to discover cards organically through gameplay and have that, oh wow, that's pretty ridiculous moment when someone drops a card you've never seen before or when you open one in a pack. Uh, of course, this kind of worked in the early 90s, but as the internet and interest in the game grew, uh, magazines and such began trying to complete lists, and Wizards began, you know, kind of going with the tide and doing official previews. Um, you know, note that while previews is the preferred term Wizards uses, spoiler season is still the common parlance and what I'm going to be defaulting to. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when the practice of giving preview cards to third party publications in order to drum up hype for a set began, but I do find. Some posts from Morrow's blog in 2012 confirmed that they were going to, they're going on at least by then, which was before I started playing the game. So, tangentially to official previews, a rash of unofficial leaks and accidental leaks uh, led to Wizards slowly changing how they would do their preview season. Uh, The most notorious one was in 2011, when the new Phyrexia God Book, a list of all of the cards, leaked when a French journalist shared it with some of his friends, uh, who ended up leaking it online. However, since I started playing, the biggest leak was in 2015, when various leaks from the upcoming Oath of the Gatewatch sets spoiled story points of the Return of Kozilek, as well as the mechanical introduction of the new generic colorless mana symbol. Uh, This led to a direct response from Wizards, saying they were pretty disappointed and frustrated by the leaks. Uh, This led to a new policy where they would officially announce when spoiler season would begin so players would know if something was an official preview or a leak. Uh, While some future leaks would continue to come from accidents, uh, notably some cards from upcoming sets got mixed in with other sets such as the Aftermath cards from Amonkhet getting sorted into Modern Masters 2017 boosters, or when Wizards of the Coast China accidentally published release notes for Dominaria instead of for those of Master 25 on the website, um, you know, Leaks will just continue to grow. Some other leaks include, you know, the Exelon foil uh, sheet that got leaked. And then Icoria, some cards from the Godzilla series would continue. Um, I also think in Icoria, you know, uh, someone was, was uh, opening packs on stream. Or maybe it was M21. Someone was opening packs on streams from some games. So I think they got caught um, during preview season. Now uh, back to official previews. You know, Wizards is generally going to provide have started providing a date of where and when spoilers will start. Um, This is you know the date as well as which third probably part. Pu- party publications will reveal cards. Um, previously, these they may have been primarily hobbyist magazines or websites. Uh, with the rise of social media and Twitch streaming, as well as you know the efforts to grow Magic Arena through you know various personalities, Wizards is starting to share a lot more preview cards with MTG content creators and streamers and other community figures. Um, there are also some odd ones, such as they partnered with the Seattle Zoo uh, or the Twitter account Not a Wolf uh, to sprawl some cards. Uh, most notably, I think. Uh, on reddit there's a guy called the uh um, the minotaur guy i don't even remember what his real username is but he's kind of known for doing a minotaur spoiler review so when jumpstart had a minotaur set reveal uh, they obviously gave him those cards to spoil uh, but generally this list you know has the dates and content creators uh, for specific dates, not saying obviously which cards are going to spoil or how many or what time that's up to the content creator to figure out what works with their schedule so, generally, if a set is supposed to come out on a certain day, uh, pre-release will, at least in non-pandemic times, happen the week before. Um, and then, from the pre- pre-release date, you know, in order to give people time to familiarize themselves with the cards and, you know, create content about them, spoilers will be completed at least a week before that. Um, so, you know... That's basically two weeks before the release, official release of a set. Um, in the past, spoilers have taken place over two weeks, um, usually on weekdays only. But this spoiler season, we started uh, on September second and ended September 9th, which is just one week. Um, and this week, in this season, you know, we only had we had full day of spoilers on the weekends. You know, about nine cards per on Saturday and Sunday, um, twenty six during the weekday. So not a full full spoiler, but we still definitely got some scheduled spoilers on the weekends, which was a bit of a difference. Now, given we know when and where the cards are spoiling, what's the point of me putting together the spoiler compilation threads that I do? Well, on Reddit, the Karma system is designed to reward those who post the most interesting and relevant content up first, ideally in a format that's easy to understand. Uh, oftentimes, this ends up being users racing to get karma by grabbing the image from social media or screen grabbing it from a video or whatever website they're reading it from and then posting it uh, to try to, with a quick title to try to get karma. Um, one byproduct of this is that sometimes, and oftentimes, in fact, uh, the original content creator, given the free preview from Wizards, often has their credit removed. Um, Now, sometimes these get posted in the comments, but not always. Uh, Part of the idea of a preview card is that there's a symbiotic relationship between Wizards and its content creators. Uh, Content creators make content that drive people to be engaged in the game. uh, And in turn, Wizards give content creators uh, something that they can preview that's exclusive to them, uh, so that you know they can get people to view their content and you know ideally make a living off of off of this this passion that they have. Um, while you know sometimes credit is posted, like I said, in the comments or the title. You know, Reddits are redditors are notorious for you know not clicking through to the video and or the post in question, uh, even when they are linked um, to read the content about the card, You know, simply just looking for what it's the card and discussing it. Um, you know, It may not be a malicious thing to erase the content creators, but I try to help out to make sure credit is given and what credit is due in my compilation spoiler post to you know drive some traffic to content creators. And on a pragmatic level, if we know all the spoilers on a given day, who's going to be spoiling, and we know that you know five of the ten spoilers have uh, spoiled, I know we have five more to look for and which ones we should be keeping an eye on. Um, though that kind of, and, and if we get to the 10, 10, 10 out of the 10 spoilers, I know I can go to sleep that day. That does lead to some interesting situations where content creators sometimes forget to post a spoiler on a given day. And so we'll just have to end up seeing if they post it in the morning. Uh, this by the way is when I do my spoiler posts. I don't really acknowledge any unofficial leaks um, and you know saying we should be expecting to see this such-and- so card from the leak uh, this is because I don't want to detract from the content creators who oftentimes put in a lot of work into the preview card reveals and I think it's really disheartening as a content creator to put a lot of work into the spoiler card this the spoiler preview card and then have it swept away because there's a leak somewhere so um, Okay, what else goes into my spoiler compilation posts? Well, uh, I'll often link back to the Magic TCG post in question, uh, the subreddit thread uh, discussing the card. Uh, Every spoiler season, without fail, there's always a post saying, why don't we just have a single discussion thread, kind of like what I'm doing? Uh, And the answer to that is people, uh, sci-fi people people democratically upvoting the content they want to see, including single-card uh, reveals, um, discussion is honestly muted whenever everything is put into one thread. Part of it is that if I put a post at the beginning uh, of the day and then the card comes out toward the end, you know, new comments about that, that new card will get buried at the bottom because they have less karma. And so it kind of benefits that card sport later in the day to have its own thread with its own discussion. I also see just in general, you know, I just get less comments about, you know, this card specifically that, oh, this card will be very useful for this format, this is going to affect the meta how, this goes into my EDH deck here. Um, so it's useful to have the individual card discussion. So while there are definitely people who do want to have it together, I'm trying to strike a middle ground where I help people who want to compile thread while also allowing for the individual card discussion. Um, I think in future spoiler seasons, I may try to link maybe to other magic related spoiler threads that have, uh, you know, related topics. For example, I might link to our EDH, uh, when there is a, uh, you know, legendary creature who could be a cool commander or if there's a new burn spell. maybe linking to our lava spike, um, But, you know, we'll see if that pans out based on the time I have. Um, In any case, this also helps users who may or may not want to scroll through uh, all the posts in a given day to see if they've caught up all the spoiler effects. Sometimes they're duplicates, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, you, so a card may get missed. Like if it's a common like one of four, like someone po- posts four cards, um, the rear gets posted, but maybe some of the comments or uncomments don't get posted. Um, maybe, you know, they may end up end missing that discussion on that card getting spoiled. So putting all the individual cards in the spoiler thread helps with that. Um, especially there are a lot of cases when there's a foreign language card um, Or maybe they don't use the correct three-letter set code um, And people are filtering by that and they don't see a card And I, this is a way to kind of compile all that and create this community knowledge Which, granted, in a couple of days in a week will kind of be community knowledge But it's nice to give people an even playing field to start you know deck brewing ahead of time now, one thing I used to do in my spoiler threads, that I didn't do for this most recent one, Zendikar Rising, is in addition to posting the link to the original thread and preview text, I'll transcribe the card into the into the text. Um, this is the card name, the cost, uh, rarity, rules text, any flavor text, and the set number. Um, if it was in a foreign language, I'll usually pull whatever translation the group Hive Mind put together in the comments of the original thread. Um, initially, I did this so it'd be easier for people who wanted all the information in one place. Maybe their work would block Imgur or Twitter or some other social media sites who couldn't watch the video, um, you know, in in place. Uh, but, you know, there's another good reason that came up. Uh, user Nighthawk321 did a really great post this season about how image-heavy spoiler threads make it harder for blind users to know what is being spoiled since their text-to-speech software can't always parse images without alt text. Uh, and while I didn't do that this spoiler season due to time considerations, um, you know, spoiling, a whole set in one week uh, requires a lot more upkeep on a daily basis, as opposed to spreading it out over two weeks um, only on weekdays. So, you know, more cards per day means I, you know, I think there's a character limit. I'm not sure I was going to get close to the character limit if I included the rules text. Um, I'm hoping in the future to be able to resume doing this. OK, so my spoiler sets, we have the card spoilers, the names, the Reddit thread, source, sometimes the oracle text, what else? Uh, well, the next part gets a little bit technical, and it's where I like to think I do something a little bit different than other spoilers who just post card images. Um, that's number crunching. I'm by no means the only person to do this, but this is a hobby of mine when it comes to magic. So if you look at common sets, you'll see a lot of similar numbers across varieties. Um most sets, uh, Zendikar, Riding Excluded, and those with other double face cards, will usually have 15 mythics, 53 rares, 80 commons, and 101 commons. Sometimes 111 if they were using the uh, dual lands, maybe in replacing the basic land slot uh, to help with draft. Um, you know, some basic land cards of course, you know' usually in multiples of five. Um, and these generally stay the same from set to set um, because these are the numbers that basically correspond to the printing size of the seats that wizard and the printing companies use for collation. Uh, and that kind of determines how what the sketch, skeleton, sketch set skeleton of a set l- look like. Now, these are useful for keeping track of what has left to be spoiled, especially if toward the end of spoiler season, when Speculation comes out and people are asking if, oh, is such and so card having a chance to be reprinted? Or, you know, for example, in Zendikar Rising, are we going to get the Ionia car- Iona card, you know, really popular character from Zendikar? Well, you know, if we had three Mythics per, uh, per color, um, and, you know, we already had the three White Mythics spoiled, it's very unlikely that Iona, who has only been printed at the Mythic Rarity, would get reprinted um, in this case. Um, now, you know, these aren't always made apparent And, you know, knowing that, hey, you know, this set has three mythic rares of each color Or maybe two mythic rares of each color And then a cycle of, uh you know, multicolor ally color cards uh, Maybe some planeswalkers, some not planeswalkers You know, that takes some hypothesizing and guessing at least early on Um, Later, obviously, as more information gets revealed You kind of can piece together and eliminate possible uh. Possibility. It's kind of like with Sudoku. Um, and, you know, it, one of the things is that Wizard is very pretty good about not breaking conventions. Um, you know, if they announce, you know, if they, if they are, you know, uh, legendary creatures at mythic there's probably going to be a cycle of legendary mythic creatures or you know maybe it's split between mythic and rare but you know there's usually some cycles you can pay attention to that will will be there and that leads me to the next part i want to talk about cycles uh, in zendikar rising you know for example i noticed early on there were a bunch of two color rare legendary creatures in both ally and enemy color pairs this led me to hypothesize that there would be a cycle of 10 multicolor rare legendary creatures uh, this was never confirmed by wizards in anything ahead of time this is kind of, kind of something we as a community figure it out over time, uh, because Wizards generally, uh, unless otherwise specifically stated, don't like to uh, leave cycles unbroken. And they've they've gotten better about telling us, like, hey, this cycle is going to be incomplete. Um, For example, the modal dual phase cards, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Wizards has also generally been printing a set of 10 uncommon cards in each color pair to help with draft. Uh, If you get one of these passed at uncommon, uh, you'll know that one, that color pair is likely open, and two, it'll give you a hint as to what the strategy to draft around in that color pair should be. Um, other cycles kind of emerge over time that again aren't always spoiled in advance. Um, though sometimes these are red herrings. Uh, for example, in Zendikar Rising, early on we saw uh, three rares in a Parcels Inscription cycle. You know, inscription of Ruin, inscription of Inspiration, and inscription of Abundance in green, red, green, blue, and black. Um, now these all had kicker on them, which is one of the mechanics in Zendikar Rising, and I thought, you know, and many other people thought that would be a full cycle, you know, for all five colors. However, by the end of it, became apparent that the the red and the white cards would not materialize because you know one for white we already had all of the white rares spoiled and then for red we'll get into a little bit later um, the collection numbers didn't allow for space for another inscription card um, it turns out that because inscription uh, kicker is set c- centered around these Sultai color pairs um, you know they ended up not giving red and white these um, in and uh, not giving them in the set though they have hinted that it's going to end up in future sets Um... Now, you know, another cycle that kind of went uncompleted were colored equipment that auto-equipped when they entered the battlefield. Uh, There was a white one, a black, red, and green one, white at rare, the black, red, and green at common. And I was expecting there to be a blue one, but by the end of the season, it looks like there hasn't been one spoiled. So I'm kind of curious why that never got uh, made. Maybe it was made and ended up getting cut, or maybe they figured that it didn't match with what Blue was trying to do in the set. Now, beyond just understanding the number of varieties in the given set and cycles and all that, uh, understanding how set collector's numbers also helps with this process. Now, assuming there, assuming there are no weird cards like split cards or hybrid mana or you know, MDFCs, uh, all the monocolored cards are assigned the numbers in WUBRG order, white, blue, black, red, green, alphabetically within each color. Um, after that comes the multicolored cards and then the artifacts and then any lands, followed by basic lands. So if you pay attention to the collection numbers of cards spoiled, you can start working backwards to figure out how many cards are appearing in each color, and in general, Wizards wants to keep these numbers pretty close if not identical. Uh, for example, Tazvi, Beacon of Unity, is the last white card in Zendikar Rising at number 44. Anticognition is the first blue card at 45. Uh, this leads me to hypothesize early on that, the, that each color would have 44 cards in their monocolor section. And I was mostly right. Uh, green ended up having only 43. Uh, one of their cards ended up being converted into a rare land card. Uh, this alphabetical sequencing also helps confirm or deconfirm certain rares. Uh, for example, the inscription cycle I mentioned was deconfirmed due to the presumed card names, inscription of whatever, uh, would not fit between two red cards. Its inordinate Raids and Cargan Intimidator at 144 and 145. Uh, this also deconfirmed a supposed leak of a reprint of Saddleborn Apostles, uh, which would have had to fit in between Saddle's Stinger and Saddle's Verdict at 123 and 124, which obviously is impossible. Uh, brief aside, it's also this is also really extra important for all reprint sets such as Masters 25, uh, which I also did the threats for a couple of years back. Uh, since these sets are all reprints with no new cards being printed, if two cards end up getting spoiled with adjacent numbers, uh, you know which cards are not going to get reprinted. Uh, the reverse is true, where you know there's some degree of speculation of what could be in the slot, where you know you have 93 and 94 or 93 and 95. So what could fit in 94? What are all the cards that are intensely high value that could potentially fit in this slot. Uh, for example, in Masters 25, 94 was Isan Said and 96 was Living Death. Um, early on in spoiler season, we thought that 95 would be a black card between I and L, possibly Imperial Seal, possibly Inquisition of Kozalek. Unfortunately it ended up being Aquaticus champion, but you know the point still stands that's kind of how these collector numbers work. In standard sets, uh, where there may be reprints of certain lands, uh, when looking for what names possibly reprinted cycles of lands could be, um, can those can confirm or quench out certain cycles? Uh, for example, you know, seeing that oh, all of the you know Fets lands, for example, which haven't been reprinted in standard legal set yet, um, and probably won't be for a while, but oh, all the Fets lands are still there's still enough slots for Fets lands to be included uh, in the sets. that speculate wildly if they'll be in there if they haven't deconfirmed it. These help with the aforementioned cycles. Uh, for example, in Amonket, there was a cycle of you know God's name, so Oketra or uh, Bontu last whatever, right? So the cycle verse, So, or this is in technically an hour of devastation. So when you're doing the number crunch, you know you can see. Okay, um, we know that there's going to be a Bantu's last whatever um, because I'd seen uh, you know uh, Ronus' last whatever, Oketra's last whatever. Let's figure out. Okay. Bantu's last whatever can probably fit in this number slot, meaning this number is accounted for, uh, and we're expecting to see this. Now, for reasons I'll get into a little bit, it was with the help of some other editors, I was able to figure out how many rarity would be in each color. Um, Each color would have 3 mythics, 9 rares, 13 uncommons, and 19 commons, uh, which adds up to the 44 number I mentioned earlier. Um, I actually at one point thought there was going to be 3 mythics, 9 rares, 14 uncommons, and 18 commons. However, when we got some uncommon artifacts being spoiled, um, I had to adjust these numbers to account for, you know, oh, well, we can't have partial uncommons, right? So that means the uncommons have to go from 13 to 14 in order to make sure we still have 44 uh, total Monocolor cards. You know we can't give five. You know uh, an extra rare to everyone, right? Uh, Because I would mess up with the total number of rares we're expecting in the set. So that means that the commons have to go up, which means you know some commons from artifacts or whatever would have to be decreased. Now, one of the things people don't always realize, Wizards is very strict about making sure the same number of commons and uncommons in each color, since that has a huge impact on the draft and limited environments. Even being off by just one. Uh, rares and mythics can be off slightly, um, though very rarely, since they only sew up right once every once a pack, as opposed to you know the 14 other cards that sew up in the packs. Uh, but I can't actually remember a time when commons and uncommons were imbalanced in color, um, aside from a very early set. I think that was like black focused or black centric. Uh, Rares being off actually did happen in Zendikar, where every monocolor had 9 rares except green, which had 8, leading to green having 43 monocolor cards. Um, The last row ended up being a rare land meant to enable kicker, I believe. Another example of this is in Magic Origins, each color had three mythics uh, a flipwalker, uh, a creature, and then a non-creature spell. However, for red, uh, they had Chandra as the Flipwalker, and then a dragon as the creature, but no non-creature spell. However, there was an additional mythic artifact, which is Pyromancer's Goggles, and that was pretty much meant to be a red card. Um, so even if it you know didn't line up within the uh, you know the monocolor section, there was still technically, you know, three red mythic spells, even if it was technically red um, one other thing, you know, a lot of people commented that, hey, Commander Tazri, right from this set, has, is meant to be played in multicolored. Why is he counted it as a monocolored card? Well, it's because her casting cost is white. Um, and for the purpose of these sets, you know, unless there's explicit multicolored theme to the set, for example, Mycoria had a little bit of a wedge theme or, you know, Ravnica definitely goes in with, with the multicolored stuff. Um, you know, unless otherwise stated, I'm going to assume that they, these are going to be monocolored cards based on their casting cost. Another quick quirk of this spoiler season was the fact that we had new modal double-faced cards, or MDFCs. Uh, double-faced cards always make things a little bit more confusing when trying to count how many of each variety there are. Um, beyond the 15, 80, 101 I mentioned earlier in the show. I'm not going to go entirely into the math behind it, but credit to Reddit user Captain Marcia for figuring out that Wizards' earlier news of reducing the rate of Mythic drops from 1 in 8 packs to 1 in 7.4 packs, plus the new modal uh, dual cards, figured that we'd have 5 Mythic, 11 rare, and 20 modal MDFCs. However, the 5 and 11 rare and Mythic cards would be added to the nodal numbers to get 20 Mythics and 64 rares. However, the 20 uncommon MDFCs would instead replace existing on comments and would not increase the number from 80 to 100 Um, you know figuring this out was just part of the puzzle of maintaining these spoiler threads. you know and dealing with all this incomplete information now, one of the new things Wizards has done lately uh, is to start with these Extended Booster Fund cards, where all the Mythics and Rares get an Extended art Treatment for collector Boosters. Uh, these show up with collector Numbers above the official number in the set. For example, Zendikar Rising has 280 cards, including Basic Lands, and the first Extended Art Mythic, Angel of Destiny, has number 314. Uh, these also help with the aforementioned number crunching of how many Rares and Mythics there are. So between the number crunching, seeing how many color there are and how many of each rarity, and the intersection of the two, I generally keep track of these numbers toward the bottom of my threads. You know, we have these many rares left, these many mythics left, these many uncommons and commons left, as well as these many white cards, blue, red. You know, black, green, artifacts, land cards left based on my best guesses. Um, One of the odd things this season, you know, we actually ended up going through a week of spoilers with only about 12 or 15 commons missing, right? And that's the entire spoiler season. Uh, In past years, spoiler season has primarily focused on spoiling all mythic and rares and some of the splashier commons and uncommons, uh, including any interesting reprints or those indicative of the mechanics of the sets. Um, And the bulk of the final day of spoilers in the Wizards card gallery ends up being common and uncommon vast chaff, which ends up uh, flooding the entire subreddit uh, with a bunch of comments and comments, annoying a bunch of people for a day. Uh, Side note, since Wizards updates the card gallery every weekday, uh, if someone forgets to post their spoiler card on their assigned day, it'll inevitably end up being uh, spoiled by Wizards the following day. So you snooze, you lose. Now, I'm not sure what led to their decision to spoil almost every card this time around. I actually tweeted to uh, Blake uh, from Wizards PR to try to figure out what why this was. Um, haven't gotten an answer yet at the time of recording. Um, maybe it was to spread the love around to more content creators, though, you know, I'm not sure why they didn't go ahead and go all the way and spoil every card. You know. Wizards, if you're listening, next time you have like five or ten cards left to spoil at the end of the spoiler season, just give them to me. I will totally take all this draft chat that no one else wants. Um, you know, I, I don't remember, you know, with War of the Spark spoiler season, it was pretty unique because they wanted to tell the story of the culmination of this bolus arc. And so every card in the set kind of related to the story and they kind of spoil it in chronological order, you know, act one, act two, act three. Um, and we were kind of had, I think it was like almost three weeks of spoilers, which is pretty fun uh, to tell the entire story. with the entire set. Um, You know, slightly messed up when the story relied on something happening in the novels that hadn't been published yet, or when someone forgot to spoil that god eternal Oketra toward the end, uh, making everyone panic, wait, where is this last card? Now, uh, finally, you know, with these spoiler ports, I like to include some fun tidbits. Uh, Mara and Gavin have lately been giving clues in advance of spoiler season, such as, you know, what is the target that, that there's going to be targeted removal in the set in black, or a creature with the rules text Cowards Can't Block Wiz- Warriors, or a creature with creature type Le- Leviathan Crab is going to be in the set. Uh, which, by the way, ended up being the last ever to be spoiled in Catholic's The Raising Isle. Uh, I like to keep track of, you know, with the community's help, uh, of what has been revealed and which needs to still be spoiled. Um, I also like to track tokens that have been revealed mechanically on the card so we know, oh, we'll probably expect a 1-1 cat or an XX illusion or a 4-4 angel um, in this set. Um, in Jumpstart, I tracked which themes uh, for boosters were going to be revealed and how many had left for each color, based on the numbers Wizards had given us on 121 variations and 46 themes across different you know vari- numbers of variations at different rarities. Um, in Masters 25, since the stick of that set was that there was at least one card from every set in Magic history being printed, I kept track of what sets had yet to have their re- representative printed. Um, this season, I also had fun of keeping track of the Zendikar Expeditions in box toppers, though those ended all in the first day, um, as well as the showcase cards for landfall. Um, someone else was able to get around to spoiling the list uh, for the set boosters on the last day, so I'm thankfully did not need to transcribe 300 cards into a single post. Now, not toot my own horn, but this takes quite a bit of upkeep to get the Reddit uh, markup form- formatting just right and to stay on top of social media and refreshing every so often, making sure my numbers all line up and my math's not off. Um, I'll frequently get my posts banned or caught by the auto moderator and need to ask manually ask the mods, politely of course, to unlock my threads. Uh, shout out to the mods who always keep doing this for me, thank you very much. Um, and these posts honestly don't give a lot of karma, especially compared to the, the single image spoiler posts that that you know dominate during spoiler season. Uh, when well, my first post gets about 110 karma, my final day of spoilers, I only got 25 karma with a 75% upvote ratio. Uh, during times at work when I'm especially swamped, I can't do spoiler season because it does take up a not insubstantial amount of time. So why do I do this? You know, Certainly not for the imaginary internet points. I think for me, I find that this is kind of helping me Uh, This is my practice in trying to understand magic design. Uh, while it's very easy to look at fully spoiled sets after the fact and discuss how things are put together, there's something about the frantic adrenaline of trying to piece together the puzzle when you don't have complete information, almost kind of like doing an escape room. Um, and being able to logic and figure it out, that, that kind of appeals to me. In a sense, it's almost like playing a game of magic where you have incomplete information about what your opponent is playing and you know, what they have in their hand um, and you know, what your strategy around that might be. Um, Even though I guess for spoiler season there's no strategy beyond trying to figure out, you know, okay What can we expect, you know, to come come down the line? Uh, Beyond that, I really like to get to know how I better understand set skeletons from a uh, from a custom set design perspective as well as from a limited perspective Um, keeping track of uncommons and comms especially and seeing cycles and recurring themes emerge throughout the set as well as common effects that appear, you know, across, you know, across multiple sets. I'm actually working on a theory of how to approach and theory craft for limited based off of, you know, the common effects. You know, we always have a, you know, a burn spell that targets creatures and planeswalkers, but not players. We have a more powerful burn spell in red. And, you know, how do the differences between these different spells um, affect, you know, what the limited format looks like, stuff like that. Um, Not fully uh, developed yet, but I'll definitely have an episode on that whenever I am able to hammer it down. Um, I also generally feel more connected to the Water Magic community as I discover content creators who I would not otherwise have known about, and I get to cheer on when I'm a f- when those content creators I am a fan of do get a spoiler card. Uh, here's the hoping one day I get a spoiler card for myself, and not to try to sound too goody too, but I also just like you know being helpful and clearing up misconceptions about what is and isn't still possible in the set uh, based on the number crunch. Anyway, shout out to Reddit users Reiji Akumatsu, who is always super helpful and positive and supportive of my post this season. Also, this may seem a little weird, but I'm just a lot more engaged with Magic when I do these spoiler threats. After War of the Sparks, I played a ton of that, uh, but I didn't really do these for Eldraine or Theros Beyond Death, and I barely played those sets. Um, you know, I also didn't really do it hardcore for Ikoria, though You know, between starting this podcast and doing them from the Godzilla cards, you know... Uh, Uh, Early on, you know, I you know, I I got involved in like career then I even got a shout out from the weekly MTG stream for my last post uh, On the last day of spoilers saying hey, this is what we have left uh, to see for the set And you know, I also already mentioned I I went did this pretty hard for jumpstart and that was I played a ton of that at Magic Arena So maybe an anecdotal correlation, but still one I can see nonetheless uh, in any case, I really enjoyed Genicar Rising spoiler season and I'm looking forward to playing with these cards, be it in paper or on, or on Arena. And Commander Legends isn't too far away. You know, The set releases on November 6th and pre-release October 30th, so probably a month from now, you should probably be back here with spoiler season. Uh, I'll catch you on the subreddit then. Uh, in the meantime, though, this casting of Pod is slowly coming to its resolution. Let me know what you think of Zendikar Rising, and if you have any suggestions for me to do for spoiler season next set on Reddit. Uh, you can do that on Twitter at pod or via email at IntoTheAetherVortex at zmail.com. Uh, you can find Into the Ether Vortex on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can leave a review on any of those podcast stores or on Podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. My architect can be found with all my deck lists uh, with the username Ninja Boy, that is Boy with an I. Um, I also stream Magic Arena some Friday nights uh, at Ninja Boy 333 on Twitch. Uh, intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. Find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and productions provided by Ninja Boy Media. We cast this pod every second and fourth Friday of the month. Until next time though, may your lands be plentiful. But not too plentiful. Bye guys. <laughs>